Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. And happy Thursday, October 19th, 2023. And welcome to a brand new edition of what we like to call the Clash of La Champions. I am your host, the vegan you believe in, Kurt Cadet, a.k.a. Conscious Kurt in the flesh as always. And this man needs no introduction, but fuck it. He's going to give you one anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, this is tag team partner Jonathan Randall at your guys' service, along with Kurt Cadet. And you can follow our podcasts on resource, both our social media uh, platforms on Instagram at thechamps.clash and on Twitter at thechampsclass. Oh my God, we have a lot of stuff to get into. Um, I'm a little sick right now, but I'm hanging in there and I'm pulling it out and uh, toughing it out. But uh, let's get to it. Yes, we're going to get it in. We had this past Friday on SmackDown. It was a season premiere, even though they don't have an off season, but they had a season premiere show anyway. Uh, so that show started with John Cena coming out, cutting a promo, but he was interrupted by the returning Universal Undisputed Champion, Roman Reigns. And this will be his very first appearance on TV since the SmackDown after SummerSlam, which is over two months ago. But yes, Roman did come out with Solo Sokoa and also Paul Heyman, whose hair was noticeably dark again. Yeah, I noticed that too. He kind of, he dyed his hair a little bit. Yeah, so they came out and interrupted Cena, and then Roman was calling out Cena and kind of baiting him a little bit. But John Cena basically responded by saying, I'm not going to challenge you tonight because I haven't earned it. But there is somebody that I do know who has, and that would bring out L.A. Knights. As we predicted, ladies and gentlemen, because, yes, he did get the pinfall at Fastlane. And, and me and Kurt both said that whoever's going to get that pinfall – was going to be the one who's going to challenge Roman Reigns for the title at Crown Jewel. And, you know, it's just, it seems like that's the best thing to do because he is the right guy to do it. Roman and LA Knight kind of had a back and forth promo a little bit, but in the middle of LA Knight's promo, he was attacked by Jimmy Uso. And then eventually LA Knight did reverse the attack and throw Jimmy Uso out of the ring. And then he also chased off Solo Sokoa, and that would lead to a match between Solo and L.A. Knight later in the show. And as that match ended, L.A. Knight was then laid out by Roman Reigns, who stood tall over him to end the show. Mm. But it looks like we are getting a, a crown jewel, Roman and L.A. Knight, which I kind of predicted. Oh, yeah. I kind of found out about a month ago. Yeah. And like I said before, you know, um, he's the right guy to do it. He's new. He's... Just he's on a hot streak right now with the crowd. Merchandise sells everything. He's the right guy to um, put him in that spot. Look, you know John Cena doesn't need that. We seen it. We literally just seen a match between John Cena and Roman Reigns literally like a couple years ago. So we don't need to see that again. You know, no offense to John Cena, and I'm very thankful that you know he's um, he's been you know played a part, showing up on TV and it's great to see him as always, but LA Knight need this, need this opportunity in this moment. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it about two weeks away or so at crown jewel. I mean, obviously we know what the outcome's going to be, but it's going to be dope to see LA Knight in the title match working with Roman. It's a new feud, something we haven't seen before and it should be fun. Yes. Can't wait for that. And also on SmackDown, Triple H did come out to make an announcement and that announcement that he made was that there will now be two GMs for each show being Raw and SmackDown. The permanently, the Raw GM is going to be Adam Pierce, 
And the SmackDown GM will now be one Nick Aldis. Yeah. That was a surprise. Well, not for me because I heard about it a few days before, but it's all good. I'm not mad at the move. It's a nice, nice little switch up. Hmm. Nick Aldis, former NWA champion and also the husband of Mickey James. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so it's a nice little switch up. He seems like he fits in well in the role so far. Like he comes off very professional and he kind of seems like, you know, that role fits him for the time being. I'm not sure if he's going to wrestle again at some point, but it could always happen down the road. But for now, I don't mind this move. We haven't had like the GM, like the two GMs in a while. So it'll be nice to see what they do with it now. Yeah, that will be interesting to, to see. I'm looking forward to it. So it's a nice move. Yeah, and also it was announced during this segment that the compensation for bringing Jay Uso to Raw was bringing a certain somebody to SmackDown, and that certain somebody they brought to SmackDown was Kevin Owens. Hmm. Damn, so now, so now Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are no more as a tag team. Damn. Ugh. But I did like in this segment that um, Dominic came to interrupt like Adam Pierce, Nick Aldis, and Triple H. And then Triple H said, damn, it really isn't piped in noises. The crowd really does hate you that much. <laughs> hey, man, he's getting the heat from the crowd, man. All that stuff is real. So, and that's a good thing. You know what I mean? So, I mean, could we agree? Like, I know the year, well, the year's almost over. We're almost at the end of the year, surprisingly. But, I mean, could we both agree that Dominic Mysterio could be best heel of the year. It's either him or Jada Pinkett, one or the other. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Don't get me started on that. Oh, man. The only people I know defending Jada Pinkett right now are the people on the a Different World Facebook page. Was that so? Yeah, but that's another story for another time. But, yeah, Dominic does get that heat. I would. The only other person I could think of who has more heat than Dominic is um, Don Callis in AEW. Mm. Kevin Owens did come out as he was announced as the new draftee to SmackDown, and he did lay out Dominic Mysterio with a stunner. <laughs> nice way to start off his career on SmackDown. And also, Nick Aldis, in one of his first moves as GM, did make a match for this coming Friday SmackDown, as it's going to be EO Sky against Charlotte for the Women's Championship. And as he did make this announcement, Charlotte was walking away, and she was greeted face-to-face by Jade Cargill. Yes, finally we got the confrontation between the two. And it was a very it was a very short face to face and I loved it. It was kinda like, oh I'm Charlotte, okay. And they walked and she walked away. And it was just so funny, like when they when they when they when they met each other, like Triple H was like in between. <laughs> it was just like look at the interaction. The whole interaction was just it, it, I I loved it, man. There, there was so much happened that night face-to-face um the other one we'll get we'll get into later yeah that's definitely a match we'll be getting down the road i don't know exactly when but it was cool to at least see them face-to-face for the first time it's definitely gonna be a match to watch whenever it does happen no i agree and also after cody and jay uso retained the tag team titles against against grayson waller and austin theory Roman Reigns and the Bloodline did come out, which all, which led to a face-to-face between Roman and Cody Rhodes for the first time since the night after WrestleMania. Yes. The look on each other's faces, though, man. Oh, my Ooh. God. Ooh. Ooh. You already know what they're going it, to... It's already confirmed, Kurt. Sealed in stone. Set in stone. It's confirmed. Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 40 confirmed and i love the face-to-face confrontation between the two it's like i don't know it's kind of like it's like when you watch those tv shows it's kind of like when you like i don't know like you can't relate to this but for me it's like you know in anime it's like when you see those two characters protagonist antagonist they have that stare down it's just like oh my god like you know something's gonna just build up and i just everything that night was just perfect you had the face-to-face confrontation between Roman and LA Knight. You had the one between Jade and Charlotte. And now you had Roman and Cody. And I posted this on Instagram, like, which one was, like, the best one. I, I It was so hard for me to pick. One of them said that um, Jade and Charlotte was the best one. 
That's fair. I, um, I would personally pick Roman and Cody, but the Jaden Car, but the Jade Cargill and Charlotte one was great too. Yeah, that was like just a first because you have somebody new in the company, right? And with her presence and her physique, she comes in and has that face to face stare down at with Charlotte, who's already as a household name in the WWE. So it's like that's just like oh my god, like you know what I mean? And then LA Knight and Roman, you know, that was another special one because, like I said before, you know, LA Knight is that new upcoming guy. He just the crowd loves him, man. And he's put in this position to go up against the champion Roman Reigns. So that's like, ooh, it's like a big challenge right there. You know what I mean? Yes, it will be a big challenge. And we only, we're only two and a half weeks or so from Crown Jewel. And also a Crown Jewel for the world title. We're going to have Seth Rollins defending against Drew McIntyre. And the two of these men had a great segment back and forth on Raw Monday where basically... Seth called out Drew for like always using the bloodline as an excuse and always being obsessed with the bloodline and everything they did to him. And he was telling him to like, yo, you need to let that stuff go and move on, like and focus on now. And he mentioned how like, you know, he fought his way to get back to where he is now over the last four years and how things didn't always go his way. And yeah, it's getting personal between these two. It's really getting juicy and I'm liking it. Mm. Do you still sense a, a heel turn? Do I sense a heel turn? For Drew McIntyre. Yes, I do think he's going to turn heel. It's inevitable, bro. We talked about this last week. I'm comparing <laughs> Drew's run right now to the run Diesel had at the end of 95, beginning of 96, where he's a tweener. He's not a bad guy officially, but it's going to happen. It's inevitable. You just have to wait for it. Man, I wonder if he's probably – I feel like he's going to do it before Crown Jewel. He did have a confrontation with Sami Zayn backstage afterwards, who was very upset about the fact that Kevin Owens was traded. And he was even upset about it with Jay Uso because of the fact that Jay Uso, in a way, is the reason that Kevin Owens is on SmackDown now, although it's mainly Cody's fault. But he kind of snapped on Jay Uso a little bit earlier in the show, but then he apologized afterwards and Jay Uso forgave him. And then he had a confrontation with Drew. And Sammy was basically telling Drew, like, yo, I mean, I had my issues with the bloodline also. I got past it. I learned how to forgive and move on. And you're the only person who stays mad at Jay Uso and who's still mad at him and still holding on to all that past stuff. And then Drew basically said, you don't understand because you've never been a world champion. Yeesh. Ooh. No. So those were some fighting words, some huge major fighting words, which means the two of them will, which means the two of them will be going against each other this coming Monday on Raw. Wow. And also on Raw, we had a great intercontinental title match between Gunther and Bronson Reed. Yo, this shit was a fight, son. This shit was a fight. Ooh. I bet. Ooh. I bet. Somebody said, and I agree with this, and I know you do too. Can you both agree that Gunther is the best champion this year? In all of wrestling, honestly, in all of wrestling, not just WWE, in all of wrestling. Mm. Okay. I agree with that. It seems like all his, his uh, title defenses, I say except the match against um, Riddle, but all of his title defense has been spectacular, dude. And this one was no less good. Yo, these two really took it to each other, including one spot where Bronson Reed did a top rope superplex to Gunther. Damn. But Gunther ultimately did retain after hitting Bronson Reed with a splash from the top rope, followed by a powerbomb. Wow. Crazy he was able to do a powerbomb on him, man. Damn. He tried earlier in the match, but it didn't happen. And then later on in the match, after he did the splash, he eventually hit him with it, weakened him up enough to do that, and he retained his title. To no surprise, but still great match regardless. Well, of course, of course. And also on Raw, we had a great false count anywhere match between Ricochet and Nakamura. Yeah. And Ricochet basically did like some kind of crazy flip from like the from the sex, section two hundred section, like the balcony area. Yo, this shit was wild, son. That's what I'm saying, dude. He doing no bat flips and turns like that. It's like you're watching a martial arts movie. But uh, yeah, I noticed some um, after Fastlane. Yeah, um, Shinsuke and uh, Ricochet been uh, feuding with each other out of nowhere, man. I've been uh, 
caught me by surprise, but yeah. I figured because they were kind of feuding before Fastlane, like, you know, when he was still feuding with Rollins, so I'm not surprised. I did enjoy this match. That spot reminded me of the Royal Rumble 2000 spot with Jeff Hardy. Hmm. But Nakamura ultimately did in, end up winning the match in the end. And also on Raw, we had Becky Lynch getting challenges from pretty much all corners. She has Indy Hartwell coming at her, who she'll be facing this coming Monday on Raw for the NXT Women's title. She also had Zia Lee confront her at one point in the night. And she was also confronted face-to-face by Jade Cargill. Oh, wow. Making her presence felt once again. Hmm. And and Cargill told Becky nice title, and Becky basically responded saying, "You're gonna have to get in line." <laughs> that's true. Come on, Art. That's true. Just because you're a new person doesn't mean you just get a a first class freebie. It doesn't work like that. Hell no, nah. She got to earn her stripes. Right. She really is in the big leagues now because AEW mm-hmm. AEW has great women's talent, but WWE's women's talent is on another level. Oh, of course, of course. I just like the women's belt more than the WWE, so. That's fair. And in the main event of Raw, we had a rematch from Fastlane for the tag titles between Cody and Jey Uso and Damian Priest and Finn Balor. Oh, my God. I'm going to say this for the record. I've This kind of low-key pissed me off, man, but it's it was good entertainment, and it was a good match, but that ending... Damn. And that ending John is talking about was as Jey Uso was about to finish the match and go to the top rope, he was hit with a super kick while he was standing on the apron by his brother. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere by his brother Jimmy. Damn. (sighs) Who snuck out through the crowd and that allowed allowed Finn Balor to hit the coup de grace, get the pin, and have Judgment Day regain the titles. Shit. So on like, oh my god! And the last like two or three weeks or so, Dominic and Finn and Damian have lost their belts and then regained them right back. I know, man. That's crazy, like hot potato, man. That's like that's usually you know when you see stuff like that, that usually happens like during the Attitude Era. You know what I mean? I remember this one week in '93 where the Steiners and Money Inc. switched the titles like three different times. Jeez. Here's how it happened. It was on a Monday, the Steiners beat Money Inc. at a house show. Then the following Wednesday, Money Inc. beat the Steiners at another house show. And then the following Saturday, the Steiners won the belts back for Money Inc. at another house show. Wow. Fucking A, son. They had no respect for the tag title changes back then. Like, usually most of the tag title changes that would happen, like, in those years would be, like, at house shows. Hmm. Yeah, no love for the tag titles. (laughs) I know, but like that ending though, man, that's just like, it's good for entertainment though, but damn, you just kind of like, oh, but it, it gets heat on Jimmy though. It gets heat on Jimmy Uso. So I'm really starting to hate Jimmy Uso now. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Because before that you were kind of like, oh, like what he's doing is like, it's, it's being weird and all that stuff. And how like he was trying to get back with the bloodline was all weird for you. But like what he's doing now, it's like, you know, are you really, really are getting me to like really dislike you now more than ever. And this could have also been a plot to get the belts off of Cody and Jay Uso so Cody can't appear on SmackDown anymore and confront Roman. Oh, well, I see. Because mm. tag it ain't gonna last long. So. Yeah, because the tag champions can be on both on all the shows, but since Cody and Jay aren't the tag yeah. champs anymore, mm-hmm. he's away from Roman again. Wow. Yeah, but I'm looking. For, I'm liking how they're telling the story so far between both matches, actually between Cody and Roman, and also Jay and Jimmy. Mm-hmm. So you really, you still think the blow off between Jay and Jimmy would be at WrestleMania, correct? Yeah, yeah, I think so. If it's anything compared to how Triple H was telling the stories with everything last year, it's definitely going in that direction. I think they're gonna do with that what they were doing with Ray and Dominic last year. Right. Let's see. Taking their time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And speaking of Triple H, it came out a couple of days ago that Ari Emanuel, the CEO of um, TKO, um, actually was the one who appointed Triple H as the head of creative and said he has full control. It was Ari Emanuel. Oh yeah, it was. It was. It was, it was so funny, man, because it, it was kind of like 
Vince was kind of like, they're all doing this. Oh, Vince will be back in control. But he kind of like pulled like a fast one on him. Kind of like, oh, no, you're not. Uh, we have more confidence in Hunter. And we like what he's doing. So, yeah, we're going to let him be in full control. And you know what I like about Triple H running um, creative now is that he has a lot of matches already set up for like the following week's Raw. Like this past Monday's Raw was stacked going into it. And then coming up this coming Monday on Raw, the show's also going to be stacked with, you know, Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn. Also, Indy Harwell and Becky for the NXT Women's title. Also, we're going to get New Day against um, Alpha Academy. Oh, okay. But that, that, but that's good, though. That's, that's, you got to think long-term, not short-term. That's good. Yeah, he builds up anticipation for the following week. Yeah. So you have some shit. That's that, what you're supposed to do, man. Yeah, so you have some shit that you look forward to, shit that you're eager to watch, that you know that you're getting ahead of time. That's how you build a loyal audience. Thank you. That's that's what you're supposed to do in entertainment, not just in wrestling, but just any type of any, you know, programming shows that you watch on TV, because you have to each episode, you have to build and build so you can look forward to the next episode. Keep your audience in tune with your programming. So what Triple H is doing is pretty much is he's doing like long term planning. He's not it's not like week by week, like, oh, OK, what are we going to do this week? Like, no. He already knows what he's going to be doing within the next like next few weeks, which is good. That's planning. Yeah, exactly. It's not like when Vince was running things when like the script would get you know ripped apart right before they were going to go on the air, and they'd be like writing it along along the way. Yeah, those days are long over, son. Oh, thank, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, do you are you enjoying Raw more now than ever? Recently, yes. Recently, yes, I have been. Do you still think that with the with you know with the show getting better? Do you? I mean, I still feel this way though. But do you still think that Raw should go back to two hours? Yeah, I still think so. I I've been liking it a lot more the last few months, but admittedly, going back to two hours will not be a bad thing. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe if they move Raw from USA, which is looking like it might happen, more than likely, it could happen. They maybe mm. might they might move to two hours, and they might even move to a different night other than Monday. I heard about that. I don't like the sound of that. It doesn't sound weird. Man. It doesn't. It doesn't sound right. There's always been a Monday show. That's like Monday Night Football moving to a different night. To Tuesday night. Oh uh, no, I don't like that. Yeah, that'd be yeah, odd. odd. I hope it doesn't happen personally. Even if they do switch networks, I hope they still stay on Mondays. I just feel like the yeah. show's been on Mondays for so long, for so many years. It'd be a weird vibe. Forever. And yeah, it just wouldn't make any sense to switch the night after all these years, in my opinion. Yeah. And like I said before, I, I believe I said this in our last episode. I mentioned how if Raw were to come to Vegas, I would actually go. With the improvement of the show. Yeah, definitely. It would be a fun time. I'll definitely go to Raw or SmackDown the next time it comes to Atlanta. I actually may be going to a Knicks and Hawks game next Friday, possibly, but I'll see what's up. Preseason? No, nah, the, the season starts Tuesday. The, the NBA season starts Tuesday. Oh, oh, right, right, right. right. Yeah, yeah, 25th. Well, it'll be the 27th when I go to the game, but no, the 24th, the season starts. I see what you mean. Tuesday, Tuesday. Oh, yes. Inside the NBA's back, too. Fuck yeah. Can't believe it's yep. been so long since I've seen those dudes. <laughs> I always like that show. Yeah, I love watching that show. Yeah, Barkley, Shaq, Ernie Johnson. Yeah, Kenny Smith. That's like a match me. That whole team is just top notch. Hmm. Imagine if TNT tried to fire all of them like ESPN fired all their good people. Oh my god, that would that that that, that would be suicide right there. You can't do that. They you know how long they've been or mainly Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley, mainly those two, how long they've been working with them? My god, how they've been with them working with them like before I was even born, right? Well, Ernie Johnson's been there for decades, but Charles Barkley didn't join that show into like 2000, like right after he retired. Yeah, yeah. I think Kenny Smith might have been on there before him. I think Kenny Smith might have been on the show before Charles Barkley was. Mm. Possibly. All right, but anyway, that's another story for another time. Let's get in. So for Crown Jewel so far, we're more than likely going to get Roman and LA Knight. We're getting it. We're going to get Seth and Drew. And I do think there is a chance there could be a title change. What? Between Seth and Drew? Yeah, if Drew's going to become a bad guy, 
there's a chance he could win to really set him up for that run. Okay, I see what you mean. You think maybe Seth will regain it back and then Gunther will come in, challenge him at WrestleMania, right? Maybe it's possible. Or Seth could chase Drew to WrestleMania. Either way, it could happen. But if Drew's about to become a bad guy, I don't mind them doing it this way. I don't mind it either. I loved it because we forget how good of a heel he was back in like 2018, 2019. Yeah, he was pretty good, but I feel like this will have a lot more of an edge to it. Like, Yeah, because that was before he won the title and all that stuff. That's before he got really pushed. But um, like underrated as a heel, especially when he was feeding with Roman Reigns, I loved how like he got personal, like he jabbed at, you know, Roman personally about his leukemia battle. That was like, whoa, that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I will say I did like his entrance at WrestleMania that year. Yes. Loved it. Give me flashbacks of Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 1. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, like, yeah, of course this is going to be different because, you know, look what's happened since then, you know, like that the following year he wins the Royal Rumble, wins the title at WrestleMania. And then, yeah, so you really got pushed and had that connection with the fans. So, yeah, this will be a different heel run. But all I'm saying is, like, he he does a good job as a heel. So that heel run that he had back in 2019 was just, that was phenomenal. But that's the thing. When you mentioned like him winning the title and having a connection with the fans, the fans weren't there for him to have a connection. Oh, yeah, the fans. I mean, I know not physically, though, but you know from watching from home during that time, you know that you loved it. I loved it. Crazy how it was, like, that was three years ago, man. Yeah. Damn. He was put in a no-win situation, literally. He was... Put as the main guy, like during a very uncertain and very like unprecedented time. He did well oh. with it, though. Given the circumstances, he did well. With it. Oh hell yeah! And, and the, the, his best feud during his title run was with Orton, who is rumored to possibly be back at Survivor Series. Yes, which is already sold out, actually. Yeah, I heard they uh, they were able to sell extra tickets too. Only the third one ever coming to Chicago. Yeah, 89, 2019, and this one. I love 2019. Yeah, 2019 was one of the better ones in recent years. I did enjoy it. Yeah. And even last year's. Even last year's I liked too. Yeah, because that was the you know the first one with the war games. So and uh, most likely we'll have that again this year. Yeah, and they actually finally had a good Survivor Series in Boston. It was a miracle. I, <laughs> I forgot I was in Boston. <laughs> hey, we were holding our breaths. We were like, oh, my God, it's in Boston. Great. This is not going to be good. And then we watched it. And like, oh, I actually thought, it was, wow, you guys really surprised me. Now, So let's get back to Crown Jewel real fast. Also, this past Saturday after his fight, the douchebag fuck Logan Paul actually called out Rey Mysterio and challenged him for his United States title. That was weird. And before we get into that, the ending of that fight was just ended in a scuffle. So I was kind of like, what the hell's going on here? I, I know you saw it, the clips of I it. I didn't see it, but I'm guessing Logan Paul was up to his douchebag fuckery and the other dude wasn't fine of it and that caused Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was just, um, I don't know. like, So when he called Rey Mysterio out like that, I was kind of like, I kind of like what he's doing because it's like, hmm. It's like he's boxing, but yet he's going. I, I thought it was somewhat cool. It was weird in a way because I never seen anything like that before. You know what I mean? But I don't know. But that's that's kind of like if uh, David Arquette was at the Oscars, right? And he wins. He wins like let's say he wins an award, right? And then he he accepts his award speech, and then he's like, well, he calls out. Hogan for the title during the Oscars. You know what I mean? That's what would be similar to. So it was like kind of weird, but at the same time, it, it was somewhat like cool to see something like that. So yeah, he called out Rey Mysterio to challenge her for a uh, U.S. title match, and uh, yeah, Rey Mysterio responded back and was like, "Hey, I'm waiting. I'm here." And that's gonna lead to Logan Paul appearing on SmackDown tomorrow night. So that's probably where it's gonna become official, and we're more than likely getting this a crown jewel. Yeah. I fucks with this. I fucks with this heavy. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. But, but what do you thought of the of him, you know, calling him out? Like at, at a remember at, at a boxing event. 
I fucks with it. I think it's a I think it's a creative way of doing it. And Logan yeah. Logan Paul is very easy to hate. So if anybody could pull it off, he can. Yeah. Okay. If he wants to get more heat, he can bring Jada Pinkett with him to ringside, and she could be in his corner, and she can constantly interfere. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh shit! But Rey Mysterio actually did say in an interview recently that he doesn't plan on wrestling for like any more than two years. Two more years. Yeah, until he retires. He says like he's probably not going to do it for more than like another year and a half, two years or so. Mm. Say what you mean. I could see it happening. I could see at WrestleMania this year, him and Dominic having maybe a mask versus hair match. Hmm. I kind of felt after that match at WrestleMania that like, yo, this feud is not over. Like, there's really? no way this. Yeah, because I mean, the match was fun. I loved it, but like, just after that match was over, and I saw the look on. Dominic's face after the match is over. I'm like, yeah, this feud isn't over. This feud is not over. And then the next month, I thought they were going to do kind of like a rematch or a tag match, and that ended up not really happening that way. And then they were put on separate shows. So I could see them going back to that at some point. It's very possible. It is possible. Hmm. Never thought of it because I thought it was just like over, over. So, nah, I, I even see. said it. I even said it on the podcast, like, you know, when we, we were re- reviewing WrestleMania that, yo, this feud is not over. And then they never really had, like, a, a proper, proper rematch. I think they did one rematch at a house show on Father's Day of all days. But besides that, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the Father's Day street fight, I think it was. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. So, Rey Mysterio and the douchebag fuck Logan Paul will more than likely be facing each other at Crown Jewel. And also, it was announced on Monday that Rhea Ripley will be defending her Women's World Championship against not one, not two, not three, but four challengers, which include Nia Jax, Raquel Rodriguez, sorry, Zoe Stark, and also Shayna Baszler. Oh, my goodness. That's a lot. I like it. I fucks with it, too. Yeah, she was flipping out, though, when they told her that when Adam Pierce told her that was, that was what the match was going to be. She was not a happy person by any stretch, but she eventually calmed down and she said, yo, it's on. She's going to fuck their asses up. Not in those exact okay. words, but you get my drift. Yeah. Right. And also, Rhea Ripley was chosen as number one on PWI's 250 women's list. She was on the cover of the magazine, and yeah, she was picked as number one. Oh, I'm not surprised to hear that. I mean, despite her title reign, but um, I mean, yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, you say what you want about like you know her feuds and she's won the title, but she won the Royal Rumble. She had that great match with Charlotte at WrestleMania where she won the title. She's been in the top faction on Raw and some of the top storylines on Raw throughout the year, and she's held the women's title ever since Mania and had and regardless of whether or not you are a fan of her of her feuds or the matches she's had, she has held that belt for the last six months and had all those other accolades. So in that regard, she is the top woman of the year. No argument. Nope. Yes, and speaking of women in wrestling, did you catch that video of Mercedes Monet at Comic-Con this past weekend where she kind of had to shut a fan down for, you know, asking some kind of yeah. questions that weren't meant for that occasion? I, yeah, man, I saw that. That was, oof. Awkward, very awkward situation. Uh, yeah. Do you think she maybe went too far with the way she responded? I think a little bit. I mean, it's it's not. I mean, it, it was a question about when she was with the WWE. You're not with them anymore. I think her response was like, okay, you didn't have a response like that. If you didn't want to respond to it, then, you know, then don't. But I don't know. Just. I understand that that whole situation, obviously, by the way she responded like that, obviously, like she's still bothered by it. But you got, you just gotta condone yourself in certain certain, certain situations. Yeah, I guess maybe in a way she didn't have to be respond the way she did, where she was saying, um, "Yeah, keep reading your fictional books, keep reading your fictional stories." Yeah. yeah, maybe that wasn't necessary, but I will say that question that dude asked, that was not the time and the place for that. No, it wasn't. It's just you're not coming off as well when you do that. So, Yeah, because like if you're going to an autograph signing where you're going to meet them and hang out with them, that's not like really a question you ask. Yeah, like there's just certain subjects and yeah, certain topics that like, you know, is not meant for certain occasions, that being one of them. Right, right. 
Yeah, but I did fuck with her Toy Story outfit though. That shit was very well done. She pulled that shit. Oh, off. the Woody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she pulled that shit off oh, perfectly. <laughs> yeah, but she's just very private in that regard. I've always I could get that vibe from her for years. I remember one time on Total Divas, they almost had the camera on her, and she like tried to get her face away from it. Oh damn. Yeah, and also that SummerSlam issue from a few years ago. She still hasn't spoken about that either. And she said, so I guess like in a sense, maybe she's waiting to put a book out or maybe or maybe she's looking to do some kind of interview or something where she tells all. But until then, I guess it'll still stay a mystery. Mm. And I heard she got off of her walking boots, so she's more than likely going to be coming back soon. Oh, yeah? Yeah, good mm. shit. I'm looking forward to seeing her wrestle again. Okay. Maybe in AEW. And speaking of fan encounters, um, Cody Rose got called out by some fan online over an incident that happened Sunday at a house show, and this is what the fan had to say. Kind of wish you hadn't ignored my wife after taking a picture with a pretty girl tonight. It made her feel terrible for the rest of the night. Not cool, dude. She was sitting right next to the kid you gave your belt to tonight with the red hair. Yeah, um, look, so... Before I say that, so um, Cody apologized. You know what I mean? So that was, the, you know, he just he stayed humble. Like, hey, look, I apologize. And he even explained, like, look, when certain situations he had to leave and all that stuff. So he made sure, like, look, I'll, you know, make it up and all that stuff. So he did the right thing with his response. Very classy, very good job on his part. You can't please everybody, man. Like, I can't. Can't imagine if I was, you know, I was a wrestler and yeah, you're gonna, everyone wants to try to get your attention, autographs, and like, you just can't do it all. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. That's what Cody even said in his response. I'm sorry. It's never on purpose. It wasn't. I believe him. Yeah. I don't get that vibe from Cody at all. Even Bret Hart in his book, for as much as he doesn't like Hogan, he would even admit that like Hogan would be signing autographs at the airport for the longest time until like he would eventually have to leave and catch his flight. And when he would have to leave some fans, he'd be like, oh, that, oh, what an asshole. Oh, what a jerk. He didn't sign my autograph. What a jerk off. And then Brett would just say to himself, like, yo, you don't understand. Like this dude took so much time out of his busy ass schedule just to meet up with fans and if he didn't meet up with a few of you, it's not personal. He just didn't, he just had to leave. Right. You can't do it all, man. Like everybody, fans don't realize how hectic the schedule is for a professional wrestler, whether you're with the WWE or AEW or Impact for that matter. You know what I mean? Like you don't know how hectic the schedule is, you know? So Especially when you're trying to like get on the flight and try to be like, you just like, guys, I gotta go. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, in most cases, it's not personal. It's just like, you know, they have lives too. They have shit they have to do. And right. if they try to get an autograph and, you know, Cody or somebody else tells them to fuck off, get out of my face. Yeah. That's a different story. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> completely different story. But if it's just a situation like this where maybe they just didn't catch you in time and they had to leave, yo, chill the fuck out. Yeah. Uh, but what are you going to do? You can't, like you said, you can't please everyone. No, you can't, man. That's not just good. See, go with athletes, and that goes with, um, you know, and movie stars and all that stuff. Like, you can't, like, come on. Yeah, even Eminem in the song I Am. He would talk about the fact that, like, you know, people would, like, try to get his autograph when he's in the bathroom or, like, you know, in a very inappropriate time. And, like, sometimes even come to his house to try to get an autograph. Yo, that shit is not cool. That shit is not okay. Nope. No matter how much of an admirer or fan you are of somebody, boundaries, motherfucker. Boundaries. Yup. All right, but let's get into some AEW news real fast. As Sting made an appearance on Dynamite last night, and he had a special announcement to make. And that announcement is that he will be retiring at March's AEW Revolution pay-per-view. Uh, well, um, how old is he? He's in his 60s, right? He's in, like, he's. I think he's 64. I believe yeah. he's 64, yes. Hey, man. Um, 
sooner or later time was gonna come you know what i mean and it's sad it's sad you're kind of like damn like this dude I'm, I'm i'm surprised he's still wrestling this long dude like the only two wrestlers who full-time actually wrestled this long was him rick flair terry funk yeah you know what I mean? So, like, that dedication, that hard work. But, yeah, it is shocking that, man, it's like it's over. You know what I mean? And you go back, you know, back in time to his days at WCW, like, especially the, the 97 run. Oh, my God. You know? All time, he was my favorite wrestler in WCW. He was to WCW where The Undertaker was to WWE. They were both, like, you know, those, those like, loyal franchise guys in a sense. Yeah. And Sting, it's so crazy how long he's been around. He, him, and Ultimate Warrior were tag team partners like in '85. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like from Sting's era, from Sting's era, most of those dudes now are either retired or unfortunately they're dead. Damn. That that breakout match that he had with Flair at the first Clash of Champions in '88. It's crazy. That shit was 35 fucking years ago, and this dude still wrestles now. Wow. Yeah, and he had that great run in the 90s, the Surfer Sting gimmick everybody loved. He ended up beating Flair for the title at Great American Bash in 90, which was a great moment. And then obviously the Crow, the Crow gimmick, the Crow era loved he had it. in 97. That's by far, oh. his, by far his peak. Yes. I mean, we weren't fans of how the Starcade match turned out, but that's another story with that aside. That run he had getting there was fucking incredible. Oh my god, that was just so amazing. That was just a whole character redo right there, man. And and it was all from the movie The Crow. That's where he got the inspiration from. I think Scott Hall had, had a helping hand in the, in the character as well. Yeah, he was kind of telling um, him to be more like The Undertaker, like kind of take elements from Undertaker a little bit. And he went in this direction, which was great. Yeah. And then obviously, yeah, it led to the match with Hogan and Starcade. And in hindsight, thank God... Hogan decided to join the NWO and it didn't end up being Sting initially. Oh, we knew that he wasn't going to do that. He was trying to get Sting and nah, like he did join NWO Wolfpack though. And look, I'm going to be honest with you. At that time, I was what, six at the time. I liked it because I liked the red paint on him. It, it looked hipper and cool. I, I liked it. It didn't last long. It only lasts like what, a, good, what, a few months, several months. But at that time, I I liked it. I get it, but like he just lost all of that mystique that he had from the year before. It just wasn't the same. I know, but... Yeah, the Wolfpack was fun. Don't get me wrong. I love the Wolfpack, and I love their theme song especially. But yeah, just that whole mystique of Sting just wasn't the same anymore. Yeah. All right, anyway, and then after WCW gets closed, he goes to TNA. He was in TNA for so many years, and he didn't make it to WWE until 2014. Yeah. Which I know we had our feelings about the way that match at WrestleMania turned out where he didn't win. But regardless, that night he debuted at Survivor Series was gold. That, oh, my that God. Yeah. Oh. So yes. That's definitely in the top 10 best Survivor Series moments ever. That match that and, and Sting coming out and that ending, yo, that shit was gold. That shit was the yes. one of the highlights of that whole year. Mm-hmm. If you're going to make a debut, a big debut, I suggest you do it at Survivor Series. And admittedly, that was also another, another surprise that got spoiled for me two days in advance. But whatever, it was still a great moment regardless. Yeah, and then obviously he had to retire because of the neck injury and all that. But then eventually he did come to AEW. And he's had some fun matches in the last few years he's been there. Yo, this dude jumps off of balconies and goes through tables still at this stage in his career. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. At that age, the stuff that he was doing, I was like, my God. Yeah, it's nuts, bro. But I like the fact that he's announcing his retirement, like, you know, this far in advance. So, like, we know exactly when we're getting it. And we can anticipate it. We can build to yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So this is like his kind of like when Kobe retired at the end of the 2016 season. This is exactly what this reminds me of. Yeah. So yeah, it's gonna be a nice little retirement tour. It's gonna be a great last few months for Sting to cap off his career. And I think more than likely his final match will be against Darby Allen. Yeah, everybody was uh was debating about um, you know, who should 
his last opponent be? And I, I had to really had to think about that. I was like, hmm. But yeah, you mentioned Darby Alley. I mean Darby Allen, sorry. They've been tag team for like the longest time. So I feel like, yeah, that is the, the best route to go. Hopefully Darby Allen is still alive by then because he's gonna climb out Everest very soon. So hopefully What? Yeah, he's training to climb out Mount Everest. Or he's Are you serious? To, yeah, he's about to train to climb Mount Everest soon, yes. Wow. I believe sometime in 2024. Maybe it won't be before that match, but we'll see. So, yeah, he said he's going to do that shit. Oh, maybe you should wait till after. I always hear Jason Solomonster say that Darby Allen's probably not going to make it past the age of 40 without being in a wheelchair. Why? Because the stuff, the dangerous stuff that he does? Yeah, exactly, bro. Do you watch this dude's matches? Yeah. Yo, this dude is crazy. Yo, it's a, it's fun. He's great at what he does, but it is some scary shit to watch sometimes, and you do kind of fear for his safety a little bit. Jeez, boy. I hope that doesn't happen. Like, I hope he's not put in a wheelchair at all, period, but it is some scary shit to watch sometimes. Like, the shit he puts his body oh, through, it's some, yeah, it's some hard shit to watch sometimes. Mm. But... Even with Sting's accolades and all that, and he has many of them, one of the things I think he should be celebrated for the most is the kind of person he he is and how highly people think of him and how respected he is by everybody and how well-liked he is by everybody. That kind of shit, especially in the in the world of wrestling where like where like it's a lot of cutthroating, a lot of backstabbing, a lot of grimy shit, a lot of grimy people. For him to be that kind of person and to have that kind of reputation pretty much everywhere he's gone... Yo, that's some shit to be proud of. That is a that is yeah. definitely some shit to be proud of. Oh, I agree. Yeah, so shouts out to Sting, and I look forward to this retirement tour. It's going to be a lot of fun. Same here. Also, in AEW news, there was a situation actually between Adam Copeland and Ricky Starks during their promo they had this past Saturday on Collision. It was Ricky Starks, Christian Cage... Brian Danielson and Adam Copeland all in the ring. And basically, Ricky Starks was telling Adam Copeland, yeah, don't um, don't look at me with your little beady eyes. Mind your own business. And then Adam responded saying, yo, I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at your whack-ass flax right there. <laughs> and then Ricky Starks say, said, like, it's clear that you didn't get your style from the other place. Damn. And then Adam responded saying, you got your style from The Rock. And basically, you're a miniature vanilla midget version of him. So shut your mouth. Damn. And then Ricky Starks responded to that saying, oh, my God, you just pushed me over the edge with that one. Wow. You get it, right? Yeah, I get it. Apparently, um, Adam Copeland was upset and Ricky Starks was also upset at this. And this was apparently all off script and it wasn't supposed to go the way it did. So, yeah, that's not a good look. Nope. I mean, I haven't heard much about it since, but maybe it was just like, you know, a situation just for that one night and they maybe squashed it since then. And yeah, it's not not a big deal. Mm. I was entertained by it personally. I mean, I didn't realize, you know, there was that issue behind it, but I was entertained by it. Like when I was watching it, I was, yeah, it was mad entertaining. I mean, yeah, but, but just, that was just like, damn. I mean, and I gotta remember stuff like this happens sometimes. Yeah, it does. I just like how Ricky Stark said, yeah, yeah, it's sad that you didn't get your style from the other place. Damn. Yeah, but also what did happen on Collision was a great main event for the TNT title between Christian Cage and Brian Danielson. Yo, this match was a war, son. This match was a fight. Sheesh, I bet. And but ultimately Christian Cage did retain because of outside interference from Ricky Starks and Fun match regardless. I wasn't expecting Christian to lose the title because I don't think he's losing that title until he faces Adam Copeland, which mm. probably won't be for another couple months. Mm-hmm. Colli- but Collision, I heard their ratings were up for actually compared to the last few weeks. The ratings actually did pretty well. Really? I just hope the, the attendance get better, though. Yeah. And also, Dynamite's ratings were better last night, too. They were over 900,000. Oh, that's good. Yeah, they were back up to 900,000. And Jericho was even opening up about the whole, you know, war between them and NXT last Tuesday. And he basically said, like, yo, WWE could pull out the big guns all they want, but uh, but basically that was just a giant fuck you to us. I mean, that's basically what it was, a fuck you to AEW. 
Damn. And he even told Tony Khan, like, yo, you could bring Shaq, you could bring all these other different celebrities in if you want to. But Tony Khan insisted on just, like, using the talent they did have and relying on, like, you know, what makes the show as good as it is, which was the wrestling. And I will say, admittedly, I did enjoy Dynamite that week better than I did NXT. Yeah, you said that. Yeah, and even Jericho said, like, yo, these legends, they're not going to want to come to the the secondary show every single week. That shit was, like, only a once- a once in a blue moon thing that they mainly use to, you know, fuck with AEW. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. That's a, a big part of why they stack the show up so much. Yeah, because obviously, I mean, they were competing with them. So, I mean, but, I mean, I, I don't know if um, Adam and Ricky Starks are going to work a match together, although I would love to see that. But Ricky Starks, like I said, could be one of those dudes who ends up in WWE in a couple years because he is very close with Cody, actually. Hmm. That's another guy that could, is a potential. We've been talking about how Jade, she, she made that move, and then the, that possibility of MGF if he makes the move, you know? So. And also, props to Kofi Kingston. He actually recently opened up a library in Ghana. Oh, that's amazing. That That's amazing. We, uh, I need a. Oh, I've been reading for a while now. Got back into reading. So that's good. Yeah, it's a good look. Um, always been a big fan of Kofi, and yeah. I'm happy that he's doing these things in other countries and opening doors and, you know, making making life better in one way or another for other people. Then, yeah, it fucks with him and his energy. Oh, yes. Guy. But people who are not stand-up men, and in some cases women, are, are some of the toxic wrestling fans that exist out there. And Kayla Braxton took some of these toxic wrestling fans to task the other day, and this is what she had to say. IWC defined. You insult our work, our bodies, our personalities, etc. While we present a craft we've perfected and get paid for so that we can entertain you week after week. The minute we bark back, you call us intolerable. Some of you are so laughable, except you're not funny. Mm. And then she goes on to say, and then she goes on to say, not everyone. There's some gems in the IWC, but the bad eggs really ruin it for everyone. So what do you think of this? And this is like a shot towards the fans, right? Just like the, t- the asshole fans, I guess some of the fans who may maybe take shots at her on Twitter or insult her on Twitter, you know, say like some disrespectful shit. More so those fans, I've, if I had to say. I mean, you got to clap back though, but I mean, let's let's be real though. I mean, I think what ruins wrestling, everybody acts, says it, what ruins wrestling is, and it's the fans. And I agree because wrestling fans are toxic. I mean, same I am, but I'm, you know, I'm not, but it's like, everybody just complains. I want this. I want that. When they get what they want, they're not satisfied. There's no satisfaction on their end. You know what I mean? And I've said this years ago. If there, if there's something about the product that you do not like, then just stop watching it, but you're going to go back and watch it anyway. I mean, Triple H even said it best. Oh, in that promo, I think it was, was it 2013 or is it 2014? He was talking about how, like, oh, I'm going to go on Twitter. I'm going to tweet until my fingers go numb. And then, you know, I'm going to demand what I want. And I'm going to tune in and watch the next week. <laughs> He's pretty much telling the truth. And Caleb Braxton is pretty much doing the same thing, man. So, yeah, look. You have a right to maybe not like a certain storyline, a certain match, or a certain character. You have the right to not like those things, but just don't make it personal. Like, don't take personal shots at them. Like, don't say you hope their kids die. Don't say you hope they die. That they, they that you hope they catch a life threatening illness or like you know like take personal shots at them to that degree. That shit is not necessary. You cannot like something. You cannot be a fan of a certain storyline or character, or whatever. But just. Don't take it personally. No, you shouldn't. And that's a problem a lot of them have. They just take shit so personal, spend too much time focusing on the negative shit and all the negative things they don't like. And as a result, they become miserable and sufferable ass people. And they take that miserable and sufferable ass shit out on everybody else. In this case, being the wrestling personalities. Yep. It's annoying as fuck. Yeah, and it's not just wrestling fans. There's toxic Star Wars fans. There's toxic basketball fans. Toxic Marvel and DC fans. Mm-hmm. And toxic hip-hop fans, too. I have to say, I just started recently a new 
Really? I started a new podcast called Shifting the Culture about hip-hop. And yeah, um, one of the topics we did talk about in the most recent episode, which actually is going to drop tomorrow, is about whether or not Lauren Hill is overrated. Because we've been seeing posts about people talking shit about Lauren Hill, saying that she's overrated, she's not as good as she's given credit for. I've even seen these same posts about Nas and other people too. But yeah, specifically with Lauren Hill, we were seeing posts like that. I just told my brother straight up, like, yo... Hip-hop fans are every bit as toxic as wrestling fans are. With some of the dumbass things they say online, the dumbass takes, dumbass comments. Yeah, like just arguing and even giving these dumb fucks the time of day is not going to do you any good. It's ridiculous. And just it just baffles me when you, especially when you, you call like the older rappers from the, from the past generations overrated. I tell you what, I'll listen to them any time of the day than the guys, the current guys. I just, I, I can't, I just can't do it. Yeah, and it's funny that you bring that up because I actually watched a documentary about the show Rap City the other day and fuck, bro, great oh. documentary, brought back so many memories and that show was very influential. Like, I didn't really appreciate it enough back then when it was on, but now that I look back at it now, especially after watching this documentary, yo, that show was very influential. And many rappers probably owe a lot of their careers to that show with that, too. I feel like there's certain things we took for granted a little bit. And you know what's funny? You know what? In the documentary, you know what they said that kind of was the beginning of the end for that show, among other music video shows? You know what specific song they said was the beginning of the end for them? Tip Girl by Nelly. No, you know what song it was? Soldier Boy Tell Him. Oh, wow. They said that. It wasn't because of the song, like, you know, because of the song being whack or whatever. It was because of the fact that that song went viral and Soldier Boy, in a sense, was like the first rapper to go viral. So it was becoming at that point where like people could watch their music videos on YouTube and watch them online. So they didn't have as much of a need or any need at all to rush home after school to watch TRL or rush home after school to watch Rap City because they could just watch it on the computer and also the unedited version of it at that. So once Soldier Boy went viral with... The Soldier Boy tell him shit, it kind of made those kind of shows obsolete. Damn. And you know what year it ended? You know what year Rap City ended? 2008. Yes, it did. Rap City and TRL literally ended within one week of each other. I tell you what, man. I said this before 2008, in a cultural standpoint, was kind of like the, the end of an era on a lot of things. Um, I just, just that WWE was on a decline. They went from. A, a TV 14 adult programming to they went to family oriented PG programming, which I did not like. I think 2008 was the last solid good year for hip hop. Yeah, just it was like the last like really good solid year of like also the 2000s in general, and yeah, of also hip hop, and yeah, you could say to a degree WWE. And yeah, like that year started off really good. Like the first half of the year in the summer was pretty good. But then once the fall hit, it was just a fucking downward spiral. Like every month from like September on just got gradually worse. Uh, I don't know. I think I, I mean, for me personally, I mean, because like they still had the, the music countdowns like during that year. That was my junior year. You know what I mean? So I enjoyed that year. But I started to see the trend of change once like 2009 came around yeah yeah like yeah once 2009 came around it was kind of like oh I, I say like the somewhat in the middle i started to notice that like man i'm not hearing actual authentic good music like i did it's just something's like going on and some of the hits they were playing i was just like i'm not feeling this song like they, like people really like this and it's not just with hip hop too. Like I noticed that with like R and B, like the, the the music shift like got more you know like pop and techno, and it's just I wasn't feeling it, man. Like just yeah, the energy was just bad from two thousand nine yeah. on. The energy was just different. It was it wasn't fun. It wasn't positive. It wasn't it didn't feel good. It was the beginning of the dark ages. That's the way I describe that. Like in the, <laughs> it was the downfall of American civilization, Kurt. <laughs> it was the beginning of the dark ages. Yeah, the beginning of the dark ages. 
Oh, yeah, because things were so going so good, and then like just all that shit happened all at once, and also some personal shit happened in my life happened around that same time too. So yeah, it was just like really the beginning of the dark ages, and like yeah, shit was just bad. I, honestly, I think the only like good times of two thousand nine that I enjoyed is I I I, uh, I had my first started working my first job during the summer. Lakers winning the title that year, and I went to I went out of town for the first time by myself. So. Nice. The most fond memory I have of 2009 is like performing at those open mics in New York, and I got my like own showcase at like one of them. I was like probably the most popular open mic in the whole city. Like the open mic I would go to every week, okay. it was like literally the Madison Square Garden of open mics. Oh, okay. And I got a showcase there. Yeah, that year, 2009, I don't have a lot of good memories of. It's not a year I look back on fondly, but that was like one of the few good things and probably the main good thing that came out of that year. Yeah, and then for me, and also like that was kind of like when I really decided like I, I can't watch wrestling anymore. Like it was oh, after, shit. it was after after backlash. Backlash was a good show. Ba- that was the best pay per view of that year. I don't need to watch any other pay per views from two thousand nine. I already know for a fact backlash was the best pay per view that year. But just after backlash, I just noticed just the vibe was just a little off, and I was like, I can't watch this no more, man. Yeah, I get it. I understand. But yeah, back to the toxic wrestling fans thing. Yeah, a lot of them do overstep the boundaries. Like, for instance, like with the Mercedes Monet incident at Comic-Con, I get some of them just don't really have any people skills. And some of them like just don't know how to act and behave. And it's sad, especially when you're a grown adult. People don't know how to stay in their lanes, Kurt. They don't, they don't, they're acting like they're the ones that are in it. Put them in their situation and see how they'll handle it. They probably won't, so... They have no room to Yeah, talk. this isn't the first time I've heard Caleb Braxton kind of snap back at the fans online before. I've seen this happen more than once. Yeah, she snapped, she like went off on some fan on somebody who claimed that like, you know, she wouldn't take a selfie with them. And then she responded saying, like, yo, for one, it's the middle of the night. For two, I don't owe you anything. And for three, I just gotten off the flight and I'm not trying to have like cameras stuck in my face like randomly out of nowhere, like when I'm walking through the airport. You know what wrestlers should do? They should, like, disguise themselves, I guess. Maybe some of them try to and it doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. But, yeah, I mean, admittedly, some of them do suck. As much as I love all my fellow wrestling fans, I've met a lot of you at WrestleMania and all the different events I've gone to over the years, but some of them really are fucking crazy, and I try to stay as far away from that crazy-ass shit as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah, but there are a lot of cool ones like our our listener James. Shout out to him on though I never met him in person. John always speaks highly of you. Shout out to you if you're listening right now. Yeah, just to some of you toxic ass fans out there, fucking go to therapy and take CM Punk with you. <laughs> and also, I heard that he got a um, offer from Impact Wrestling. Ah, I'm not I surprised. I know, but like, I'm not surprised. I was kind of like, well, Impact will offer him, but it turned out to be true. Nah, I'll believe it when I see it. But <laughs> with the thing with him in Survivor Series, that I'll also believe when I see it. Also, like, I know they say, I know it came out last week that they're not interested in him and all that, and that more than likely could be true. But until Survivor Series night, I won't believe it 100. percent True. I'm sorry. Until Survivor Series comes and he just doesn't show up on the show, I still do believe there is a chance he could show up. Hmm. Oh, did you also hear Ric Flair's um, interview on The Breakfast Club the other day? No. Yeah, it came out a few days ago. He was in New York for Comic-Con. Yeah, he he talked about yeah his career. He talked about all these different crazy-ass moments and all these different things that went down. It's funny. They asked him like the most money he ever made in one year, and you know how much he said? What? 800000 Damn, a year? That's the most he's ever made in one year. All the years he was wrestling, all the years he was on top, all the years he was champion, and that's the most he ever made in one year? Damn. Fuck. Even in the WWE years, I I figured he would make at least a million a year. I know he wasn't on top for all those years, but I figured he would at least, for at least just his status alone, he would make at least a million a year. Like, even in those 2000 2000 years, I figured he would have maybe been making that. Mm Mm-hmm. Fuck, that's the most he made in one year? Sheesh. Yeah, I guess the money really was better in WWE. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if he was working that much, if he was working that schedule in WWE, you would have definitely been making a lot more money. Because Jake the Snake was making a million a year in WWE during those years, from what he mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't even the a, a champion or really a, a main event or consistently. Yeah, crazy, son. And he does like to take edibles, too. He does like to eat edibles. Oh, my God. He, he said he prefers it over smoking and also it got him off, you know, taking Xanax. Mm. But the one thing he said is he can't hang he can't hang with Mike Tyson when it comes to smoking weed. Well, it's too much for him. Yeah, he said he can't hang with him. Yeah, he can't hang with Mike Tyson. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, but it's so crazy how f- popular Flair is like in the hip hop community now. Like with how like a lot of, of rappers. Yeah, a lot of rappers like sample his voice. Or yeah, sample his Yeah, voice. because they relate to the character. That's why, man. Very. They relate to the character. Yeah, just like, you know, how like uh, a lot of rappers, they like to reference Scarface in their um, in their lyrics. That's like Ric Flair's like the same thing because of the character, dude. I could definitely tell Big Daddy Kane was maybe influenced by Flair a little bit and also Biggie. You know, I could definitely see a little bit mm. of influence there. Mm. Could imagine Ric Flair on a Biggie song. Oh, my God. Yeah, he is very influential in that regard. I kind of feel like in a way... He's probably more popular mainstream now than he was when he was wrestling. I agree. I've, I yeah, because when he retired, I, I I just noticed like more people were like talking about him more versus when he was you know actually full time wrestling. So yeah, like in the eighties and even the nineties, I think Hogan was more popular mainstream. But now I think Ric Flair in a way surpassed him mainstream wise. Hmm. It was funny. Um, Sting even mentioned Hogan during his promo on Dynamite, and the crowd booed him. Yeah, I mean Hogan is banned from AEW shows, and so is his ex-wife. So it makes sense. Yeah. Eh. I mean, he wouldn't show up there anyway. You want to know why? Why? Because he thinks they're a bunch of fucking assholes. Because they don't have the guts to be who they want to be. So they point their fucking fingers at Hogan and say, that's the bad guy. (laughs) And what that make them? Good? So say goodnight to the bad guy, brother. Because you're never going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. Make way for the bad guy. Bad guy coming through. Bad guy coming through. All right, with that being said, I think we've said what we needed to say tonight. Uh, John, anything else you want to add? Um, no. Um, looking forward to a crown jewel. Um, yeah, man. So uh, oh, SmackDown and Raw just, just building up, building up. You just got to stay tuned. And um, Kurt and myself will bring any of that news you need to hear. Yes, the news you want to hear, need to hear, debates you want to hear, need to hear, and everything else in between because we fuck with that wrestling shit. We break it down for you. We tell you what we think, what we like, what we don't like. No biased bullshit, no toxic bullshit. We keep it real 100% all day, every day, every week. And until next time, for John Randall, this is Kirk Cadet for another edition of The Clash of the Champions. Take care, have a good one, and remember, don't be an asshole in real life social media because that shit is for the birds have a good one guys hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto